0: Welcome back, everyone, to Web3 Unpacked, and today we are happy to have Matt Bell, founder and CEO of TurboFish, the creator of Nomic, a Layer 1 blockchain which offers decentralized, non-custodial Bitcoin bridge that allows users to use BTC across the cosmos. Welcome, Matt.
1: Hi, Rich. Thanks so much for having me
0: yeah 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 of course uh we're excited to get into this conversation um and just a little backstory here on matt um you've got a really really cool background um matt your og B- btc and crypto having started with safebit which is one of the first digital wallets which is really really cool um back in you did that in uh 2012 um, yeah. So you you've been around the block, and um, you've worked with Tinderment, which is a really really big deal, uh, as an early employee contributing to the growth of the Cosmos. So you're you were there day one, kind of starting to build the foundations uh, around Tinderment, which is again very cool. And then uh, duly noted here, you actually um, uh, co-founded a venture alongside of uh, Vitalik Buterin, which we all we all know um really really cool and and you're from one of my favorite cities Austin Texas I always like to give my Texas friends a shout out um thanks thanks for being here um we're going to get into it really quick cuz um you know I've been digging in and learning more about what TurboFish or Nomic does and you you have a couple of projects which we'll probably touch on later on which is really cool um you know one thing I I love to ask my guests everyone in the beginning of our conversations is, you know, how did you get into Web3? What was your journey? We talked a little bit about, you know, your past, but really what did it it take to get you into it?
1: Yeah, that's a good question for that. Well, really, I have to think back to the term Web3 didn't even exist back then, you know, for I mean, for the same concepts of like what all of Web3 is, you know, it was just. I guess it kind of starts from as a kid, like I don't know if you remember like the peer-to-peer file sharing era when when there was like Napster and LimeWire and all those things and like people were all downloading music. Like that was just sort of a fun time for me as a kid and uh so like it got me really interested in peer-to-peer networks because you know that was so transformative for the music industry. I just thought like, wow, this is such a cool technology where You know, it's not like everything else on the Internet is just a bunch of big servers owned by big companies. But this is something where it's just people like individuals, their computers interacting with other individuals, computers, you know, around the world. And it just feels very Internet native. So I just sort of was always fascinated by that. And then somehow I came across Bitcoin. I think I came across it on Wikipedia just reading about peer to peer stuff in 2011 and to me it was just like oh i guess that makes sense like that's another thing you can build with peer-to-peer technology and uh you know that was just the beginnings of blockchains and um so i was just always fascinated by that i started getting into like online chat communities and stuff that were just talking about bitcoin and uh you know people talking about all the tech and uh and anyway, I've just sort of followed it from that. then eventually I got a job from people I'd met through those communities. Uh, yeah, at SafeBit, like you mentioned, where they were basically building the first multi-sig wallet back before that was even built into Bitcoin or anything. And uh, from there, I just kind of, you know, just kind of stuck where I've been in the industry ever since. And uh, yeah. Uh,
0: your beginnings. Are very similar to a lot of others, including mine too. And it's funny you bring up Napster and LimeWire and stuff like that. I think we were all kind of indulging in in those technologies back then, and um, uh, it, it, it was funny because we we all started using that, but we didn't realize we were using the first decentralized means of transacting. Really, right? Um, yeah. It wasn't monetary. But we were transacting in files and sharing things um in packets across the internet which was kind of mind-blowing back then right, um yeah. and yeah right and um funny enough you bring up napster because one of my favorite um interviews was with jonathan jonathan Visopoulos, who is um now the new ceo of napster right so Napster is basically, you know, reinventing, rebranding and repositioning their whole Web3 strategy around a, a, a very uh, entertainment, uh, inclusive and uh, entertainment uh, environment, which is really, really cool. I, I would check them out. It's nostal- part nostalgia and part, you know, forward thinking uh, entertainment industry. And, and, yeah, I um, have not heard about that. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it, check it out. Um, they it's been in the works for a while and they're starting to kind of drip out some uh some some new stuff as they prepare to kind of launch in a big way. So um definitely check them out. Jonathan has been on the the circuit speaking at at various conferences uh around the around the globe actually. Um and he's an interesting guy. He come, you know, we both come from uh uh you know the Viacom MTV Networks world. Um, so it was, uh, it was a fun conversation. You should check out that episode. I'll link it in the, uh, description below. Um, all right, cool. So the other part of this question, Matt, is, um, what does web three crypto, any of this world blockchain, what does it mean to you personally? What, What does it offer you and maybe the world?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think to me, I mean, sort of going back to part of what I just said in the first question, I think a lot of people, you know, there's all these Web3 things people see and people use and, you know, people are on Ethereum and using NFTs and doing all these things. But people like people look at blockchain technology, but they forget that sort of what underpins it is peer to peer technology. And I feel like that's a good way to sort of visualize the core difference between Web2 and Web3 is that. With Web2, it's like there's two different classes of nodes on the network. There's servers and there's clients. So it's like you and your device on Web2, it's like you're, you know, you're sort of like a small little node, whereas some big company runs some big node that's serving you. And like everything goes through that big node. But if it's peer-to-peer, then everyone's sort of on equal footing and everyone... You know you're a peer with the other nodes that you're talking to and so just taking that to the extreme it means you know there's not big central trusted authorities it means uh you know you sort of verify everything yourself on your device so everything's governed by protocols and so like that's just sort of an abstract way of saying you know it just makes things fundamentally more fair and uh I think that's really interesting because it's also just very native to how the internet works where, you know, information is meant to just be shared around and not like owned by some central authority. So I I think it's kind of an abstract answer, but that's, that's the way I see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I, I see it very similar in a very similar fashion. Um, you know, the d- d- democratization of the interwebs, you know? Um and and ultimately it all boils down to um trust, right? Um the thing for me is, you know, personally for me too, is the idea of not having to have uh intermediaries or anyone in between a decision between two parties. Right, it's, yeah. It, it, and and using cryptography and technology, we're able to validate each other's decisions, decision-making, um, ultimately uh, resulting in a trusted bond or a trusted relationship. And if you ask me, what is the one thing missing from the world today? It's trust, Right. Yeah, Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think that's a really good way of saying that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, it's about, you know, how do things, how do world war start? How do, you know, factions start? How do they're, they're unhappy uh, and they're unable to p- potentially trust uh, another entity or organization or country or bank or whatever you may be? Um, and that's a big part of what's missing and if you actually start to bridge that gap and allow that to happen, wow, things would one move very fast, and two, people would just be a lot happier and a lot less stressed out if they don't have to to deal with uh you know middlemen and potential um theft, right so when you when you when you have these direct connections, the grift and theft. Is pushed aside so it's an interesting uh interesting dynamic for sure um all right let's jump into um turbo fish right why don't you give us a, a brief overview of turbo fish and then we're going to probably dip into nomic a little bit more because that's the 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 heart and soul of what we want to talk about
1: right yeah so turbo fish is uh, the company I founded with my friend Judd Keppel and like I've been working with him for a long time and we're sort of building this engineering team uh, with the goal of just sort of building the next generation of blockchain technology since we've worked in in the industry for so long, you know, we've sort of seen the different sort of engineering trends come and go and the different sort of architectures people have explored for blockchains and Web3 and web uh, we have a lot of ideas of how we want things to be built and how we think things will be, how, how it'll all work in the future. And so we're just trying to build all that technology now. And that's it's, we're all focused on the rust programming language. So the name Turbofish is actually a term that comes from rust where it's like a certain part of the syntax where someone on Reddit first named it that (laughs) because it's like, it's like uh colon colon angle bracket angle bracket. it just kind of looks like a little fish with like bubbles behind it or something like that so so we yeah. like that name it's also just sort of like a fun catchy name you know and so yeah Turbofish. uh yeah we're focused on like right now we're contributing to nomic uh which is see i just want to point out you'd said nomic really everyone we've talked to says nomic and, like, we're the only ones who say nomic, And so it kind of feels like, you know, this is, like, an open, decentralized thing. Like, maybe it should just be nomic, and we should switch, you know? That's but, uh,
0: funny. I apologize for uh, mispronouncing it. But uh, you know, like, that's, even that's people that's who,
1: who have, like, worked with the project for a long time, I feel like I'll say nomic. So, and uh, speaking of that, like, maybe that's even what it's actually called because uh, it's named after... Uh, a game that this one uh economist and like legal philosopher first designed where the point of the game was that uh part of the game is that you can change the rules of the game and so we've just always liked that concept that it's interesting that uh you know it can sort of become anything it's like this entity where like as people participate in it you know it can evolve and change into anything and I think that makes a lot of sense in blockchain technology and web three where like a community will form a protocol and over time it'll just evolve as people change it so uh yeah so what would you say turbo fish um and gnomic uh
0: what problems are you solving what what do you what problems are you solving for
1: the general develop rust development community yeah. So we're making it really easy to build blockchain apps. So uh, we have some experience with this. We had first made this framework for Cosmos uh, to write apps in JavaScript, making it really easy for for developers to get started. So as opposed to using the Cosmos SDK in Go, where you sort of have to write a lot of code to do things, uh, we've always liked making it Really simple to get a lot done with very little code, and uh, yeah we've applied all those learnings to what we've worked on at turbofish, so we've built our own framework from the ground up to build cosmos chains and uh, it's called orga, and so it's all in rust and it's just really easy to use it's it focuses on making it feel like vanilla rust you know it's not like you have to learn some really complex framework uh, and then just the problem we want to solve is just making the best tools possible, uh, like the tools that we want to use to build apps. And so that also includes making things really high performance uh, and yeah, just making it high performance and easy to use. So that's what Turbofish focuses on and that's us and our team. But yeah, we're also contributing to Gnomic, which, uh, what Nomic solves is essentially unlocking Bitcoin for all the possibilities of Web3 and DeFi because there's so much Bitcoin that's just sitting around in wallets. You know, Bitcoin's always been really the strongest crypto asset. It's, you know, like it's never been passed up, even though it's the first one. Like right now, it's bigger than all other crypto combined. And, uh, but if you look at it most people who hold bitcoin it's just there sitting in their wallet not really doing anything and so obviously there's demand for financial primitives like if you would want to like borrow money against your bitcoin or lend it out or whatever and um yeah so nomic really just aims to it's a protocol that like the whole point is to bring bitcoin into the sort of newer age of
0: well said matt because um you know, i think this type of what i would say connectivity is actually it is really needed for a couple of a couple of reasons depending on your philosophy of um investing sharing and maybe purchase power on web3 um generally the course I would take and many, well, everyone takes now is, okay, I have a little bit of Bitcoin. You convert it to Ethereum or, uh, Solana, you know, Sol or any ADA or whatever you want to convert it to. Then you go onto the chain you want to interact with that supports that particular, uh, coin, uh, or currency and go from there. Um, my theory is, you know, Bitcoin is kind of a store of energy and it's like the new gold standard. Everything is built on top of it, theoretically, not technically. Um, and then you use Ethereum to kind of move about, right? Move about the, the chains, the cosmos, whatever uh, protocol you're using at that point. And then you have to subsequently, you know, f- you know flip or swap different things here and there uh to to get your intended action completed um but it would be really interesting and i think it's it's less for me and it's it's i think it's an interesting tact to bring new users in and start to force foster adoption uh within the greater web3 universe right so that's really powerful because a lot of people will be like oh i got bitcoin but you know what a lot of people don't want to flip and swap and do all these little things that you and I do every day on our wallets or, or desktops or whatever we're doing. And it'll get them right into what they're doing very, very quickly.
1: Um, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Bitcoin it's always been, I mean, it has the biggest brand, you know, like, like Ethereum's obviously big, but uh, you know, people around the world, if they've heard of one, cryptocurrency it's probably bitcoin right and uh it's also just the easiest to buy because it's so available where you know you can just have cash app and then in there you can buy bitcoin or you know i'm sure around the world there's just so many solutions for for getting into bitcoin and so people already just have it sitting there or it's easy for them to get into it yeah the part of the vision for nomic is just uh You know, people just send their Bitcoin from wherever they have it, whatever wallet they have it in to a generated Bitcoin address. And then through that, it goes to, you know, wherever they're trying to use it. Whether that's like an Ethereum account, a Cosmos account on any Cosmos chain or, you know, some sort of special Bitcoin native contract or something like that. Uh, Yeah, NOMIC just aims to make that step really easy.
0: And you guys go as far as to say that it will, it co- it actually could rival Ethereum, right? Um, it, you know, and when I say, when I hear like, oh, well, th- this whole system will uh, rival Ethereum. Well, it, you're just, you're harnessing the power of Bitcoin and just making it easier to kind of use that power across uh, all of these different ecosystems. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and that's, that's super, super powerful because everyone, including myself, I, I, I shouldn't say everyone, I, I see Ethereum as the, how do, how do I put this? Um, I see Bitcoin as a store of energy, but I see Ethereum as the actual pivot to do all of these activities. And then from there, you, you can kind of obviously splinter in many different directions,
1: yeah, the way I see it is I think Bitcoin DeFi can rival Ethereum, but also it doesn't have to like, you know, there can be both where you can move Bitcoin to Ethereum and obviously there's an ecosystem of, you know, all these ways you can use that asset there already. Uh but I do think you know, there can be this idea of sort of Bitcoin native DeFi where uh it's all just sort of secured by the Bitcoin blockchain, even if it's built on layers on top of it. And, uh, I I don't know. I don't like, I think we really can have both. And I think the rivalry is really just using Bitcoin as an asset. And that's the valuable part where it doesn't matter what platform that's happening on, but clearly even in Ethereum DeFi, there's tons of demand for Bitcoin because You know, there's $20 billion worth of TVL on Ethereum right now, and WBTC is over $5 billion. And so if you think about that, it's like on Ethereum, you have the choice of using ETH, which is the native token to the chain. There's no extra trust assumptions or anything. Or if you're using WBTC, that's an asset where it's really held custodially by a single company. And, uh, you know, if... If you had the choice between those you know you wouldn't want to take the risk of having this custodian but still a quarter of the value is you know using this non-native asset through that custodial risk just because people want to use bitcoin that much and so i think if it was the choice between native ethereum for these things and native bitcoin then i think bitcoin would surpass ethereum and uh you know it would be a larger asset within DeFi.
0: yeah i mean it it you're you, what you're doing is offering options right and i love you you know you, you guys are taking from what i'm hearing already a very you know user experience approach to developing your products which in turn will help other people develop products right um and you're listening to your audience and you know for you guys it's nice because Developers developing for developers. Um, I mentioned some friends over that are operating on the the Cosmos as well. Uh, Andromeda Protocol. They're trying to, they're listening to their developer audience, but taking it a, a, a step further and making it codeless. Um, so, you know, I applaud anyone who's making the tools to make Web3 happen. You know, that that is awesome. Um, <laughs> and giving people, Options and choice uh when when transacting and, and building, actually, right? So um now getting b- back into Nomic, you guys consider it um an application layer uh f- for Bitcoin, which is really interesting because for years we hear, oh, we're you know, Lightning Network, this, that, and the other thing, and different layers that people want to build on. But really, in the news or any any kind of chatter in the development world, people are building on ethereum right because that's how they sold ethereum and rightfully so I think it is that technology that allows you to interact with multiple um, types of currencies and technologies on their on their uh, technology stack um, how How do you think nomic will elevate the cosmos what do you think will happen when this is released and people start to
1: start to use it and enjoy it yeah that's a good question the way i see it is you know cosmos has all this tech that already exists and all these products people have worked on and you know all these really cool things you can do but it's just sort of lacking you know uh inbound new users and new liquidity. It's sort of you know this ecosystem of only builders and no one else so there's no you know like people have made some really awesome products but few people have focused on like how do we pull new people into this ecosystem and uh you know the ethereum ecosystem obviously you know has so much weight because you know everyone has metamask and uh If you're switching to a new ecosystem it means you know getting some new wallet and you know so the switch to cosmos like getting kepler there's just not a ton of people doing that and so uh but there's so much potential because there's so many really awesome things that have been built and the way i see it is just making it easy for new people to come in and to bring new value in with them that's a really important thing so it makes a lot of sense to visualize Nomic as an on-ramp into Cosmos. And so uh, one really cool feature of Nomic is uh, the interchain deposits. And so if you think about first why centralized exchanges have so many users, you know, those are very easy to use compared to decentralized things. It's because, you know, if you have Bitcoin, you want to bring it on some centralized exchange, you just go to the deposit page, you get an address and you just send to that, you know, it's one step. And, uh, as opposed to if you have Bitcoin in your wallet and you're trying to bring it to osmosis in cosmos, for example, you'd have to send it to an exchange, trade it for some other asset, then, you know, send it through some bridge tool. Uh, like it's just like a multiple step process. And so Nomic. Is aiming to make it really easy to bring all this value into cosmos by bringing that same centralized experience to the decentralized world so for instance you'll be able to go to osmosis and you just get a deposit address you just send your bitcoin there and now it's in osmosis so i i think that's the the way to elevate cosmos is to just sort of make it easy for new people to come in and to bring bitcoin and uh yeah
0: yeah, that's, that's super cool. And I think it it, it is, you, you found that white space that we all kind of knew was there, but a lot of people are obviously not paying attention to except for you guys, um, or maybe some others, who knows. But uh, I, I like the whole uh, translation, like super quick. Tra- I, I, I think of it as like, almost like Google Translate, right? Like you've got Bitcoin, and I want to go here. And right now, there's no pull down for the where you're going, because you're just going to the cosmos. Down the road, Matt, I, I could see you guys kind of having a, like a pull down in your interface and going, "Oh, I want to go to this ecosystem or this ecosystem," and uh, Turbofish or Nomic will actually do all the translations for you
1: in one step. That's pretty cool. So that's one way to think of it. But another way we think of it is, it wouldn't even be in our interface. It would be. Uh so like it would be kind of invisible even where you're just on some other chain somewhere and you can just see a bitcoin deposit address maybe it says powered by nomic but like you don't even really have to know what that is or have like you don't have to uh yeah opt into nomic in any way you're really just using it as a tool sort of as infrastructure you know
0: i I got you, and that makes perfect sense, because you know if you can make the technology disappear, people just use it right um for the sake of using it, and they don't need to really know who's behind the the, the scenes I mean obviously people want to know, but for this type of translation, I think it's it's pretty cool um and and that's the way to go. just have it seamless. You eliminated one step that could annoy a potential new. Uh, user, and um, and I do see it in one of the biggest struggles with Web3. You know, uh, we here at Web3 Impact talk to everyone, all the founders and creators of a lot of these great protocols, and the number one challenge is is onboarding, getting people to take that first step, uh, take that first step, and that that first step is out of their hands sometimes. Uh, Meaning you have to ask someone to go to go to an exchange, you know, convert fiat into Bitcoin or Ethereum, then go to your. So it's it's this uh, this whole onboarding process that that is the core Web3 pain point that I hear literally every day. Um, Now, I Matt, I have a a question because this really be very interesting kind of situation will or does nomic have the potential to eliminate exchanges or eliminate the need for
1: exchanges i mean there's so many different use cases for exchanges but if you mean centralized exchanges uh it's definitely yeah pushing things towards a direction where yeah you don't need these centralized institutions and uh like central custodians for all these things. So there's always going to be the problem of people who have never touched crypto or Web3 at all and don't have any Bitcoin or anything like that. So there will always have to be some way to get people from fiat into Bitcoin or something like that. But it doesn't have to be this place where, you know, you hold all your funds there and uh, you like pay all these big fees. It really can just be, you know once people have crypto, then they shouldn't need these centralized exchanges, and there can be decentralized alternatives for everything that you want to do,
0: yeah, yeah, right, so you need a place to buy it, obviously, and then from there, you're alleviating a lot of the pressure of oh having to noodle on whatever exchange you're using, coinbase or whatever, noodle and convert and flip and do and whatever uh really really interesting um one of the things we also like to tap into with anything having to do with DeFi or decentralized networks is a bit of of security, right? Um, and we've talked to security, uh, Web three security companies in the past, um, and there's some elaborate things that they they do to uh, verify identities and and um, check the validity of of transactions. How does Gnomics, uh decentralized design and emergent emergency dispersal mechanism work? That was really interesting for me, because another thing that's missing with a lot of these Web three protocols is uh, the the sen- a sense of security, but uh, emergency funds. What like we've seen it a, a, a thousand times, literally in the last year, of people just smaller uh, exchanges and end protocols to larger ones getting burnt.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, So we've put so much thought into the design of Gnomic and uh, yeah, obviously security is such a huge priority and the, the protocols designed in a way where the nodes in the network, like we can have a very high threshold of how many nodes in the network have to coordinate for the Bitcoin to move. And that's because, yeah, like you just mentioned, there's this emergency dispersal mechanism. And so all that does is if there's some issue with the network, then the default is Bitcoin automatically goes back to everyone who holds it um, on the Bitcoin blockchain without any extra steps. So so how it works is like, you know, just normal usage of Gnomic, you might deposit somewhere and your Bitcoin is now held on some cosmos chain and uh if there's some issue even if the whole network goes down your funds aren't just lost they're not stuck in limbo they it'll just be after two weeks like there's a two-week set interval um the funds will just automatically pay back to everyone who owns them on the bitcoin blockchain so that you can just Sort of claim it back, and that that just makes a really big difference because, first of all, it means, you know, like I was saying, we can have ninety percent. We require ninety percent of the nodes to sign, where that would otherwise mean, you know, ten percent. What I'm trying to say is, only ten percent of the network has to behave honestly. Then, for the funds to remain where they should be. for everything to operate correctly and that's really good because you know anything else in crypto it's like you need uh you know a majority of the voting power to be honest but if you can just get that down it just makes things so much less risky and so much more secure where like uh if you just look at the nodes on the network there's as long as you know you believe that 10% out there is going to behave the right way and follow the protocol, then everything will act as you expect, so. All right, so
0: so a lot of this is done through, through voting power, right? Uh, across, uh, well, uh, is it the voting power within Gnomics um, environment, or is it across the cosmos? um i guess it depends you know well it's the developer community right so it's it's within nomic um and yeah, 10 percent of the
1: god within nomic but uh on the roadmap is also adding the bitcoin hash rate so the bitcoin miners and also holders of bitcoin uh would be ways to sort of just like increase the amount of security that's powering this so
0: Wow, you'd have to have ninety
1: percent of all of that combined, and
0: that's really, really interesting. So, so if a and let me get this straight because you know I'm I'm new to your your guys' protocol and tools. Um, Something happens. One of the protocols on the cosmos kind of pancakes or does something maybe you know most of the most of the protocols on the 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 cosmos are pretty legit and solid i've been talking to many of them so there's less of a fear there but if something does happen to one of the protocols and that kind of
1: sinks how is the end user protected so how that would work is it would just be the same as sort of any other ibc asset on cosmos and so if I like. I don't think that's something that has really been encountered in the cosmos world yet. There haven't been any like protocol level rug pulls or anything like that. But even yeah, if like that worst case did happen and like, let's say yeah, a whole network that's like holding a bunch of Bitcoin went rogue, uh, since it's just a normal IBC asset, you know, we would be able to just go through, have governance sort of deal with that in a way that the community thinks is fair so that would be recoverable.
0: got you um interesting and that's to me peace of mind um and i think should be celebrated and communicated uh to end users because it's kind of a it's a big deal um because when we really look at the environment that you and i are either building on or promoting or speaking about or using um You know, a lot of, you know, we've been around for a while. We kind of know the ins and outs, you know, not your keys, not your coins, that kind of thing. We know a lot of these little pitfalls, the rug pull situations. But what really irritates me these days is um, a lot of young guys and girls, whoever you are out there, kind of getting getting pulled. Uh, and they're losing, losing their money. And then when they lose their money because of something that they didn't do, it's not about poor investment decisions, the the protocol or the exchange, uh, for that matter, uh, is faulty. And then they pay the price, right? It sounds like, uh, the fed or our government, <laughs> uh, screw ups and then we pay the price through taxes, but w- you- how I mean it, it it, and that's the part that kind of um, irritates me is that a lot of young folks are are getting hurt here, um, and any kind of roadblocks that are put in place to prevent that, or kind of checks and balances, if you will, uh, like Nomic does, that's even even better, and it, it's more uh, juice for onboarding um, some smart investors, younger, smarter investors, uh, quicker. So. I love that whole thing, checks and balances where you can play fair, no rug pulls, keep the information uh, clear and present for every user, um, hyper important, again, because what we're building and communicating for Web3 is trust, right? So always just keep that those lines of trust and communication open. Um, now, yeah. one of the other things I, I wanted to touch on, uh, we talk a little bit about is kind of the developer community, right? Because this is near and dear, literally, to your your heart and your project. Um, it's near and dear to everyone building or even researching uh, Web3 is the development community, right? And it, and it has changed, right? It's evolved, right? Now you have Tinderman Rust. Uh, Solidity, you've got all of these programming languages that are literally on steroids. You know, um, it's not your you know your basic JavaScript anymore. Um, how How do you see the community? Because I know the community is a big deal for you guys. How do you see it evolving? Um, can you give us a sense of what your development community looks like geographically, skill sets? Anything like that?
1: Yeah, just the the development community in general of, you know, across all these different projects and blockchains. Uh, I do think there's a big move towards sort of serious engineering, which is a trend that I really like. Like, I think it sort of started out, you know, there's 2017 when there were all these sort of ICOs happening, all these projects raising a bunch of money just from like they hadn't really proven anything yet they just would say some simple idea of like we're going to build this and they might not have any idea how they're going to build it yet but so many companies you know started from that and it wasn't clear like who was going to really know how to do it and who wasn't and i think so many you know there were so many like people with ideas but without like the engineering chops to really Pull these things off and that's why so many of these things have failed but you know there are a lot of things that have succeeded in a big way since then and uh like cosmos you know there's so much engineering talent that really made that vision come true i think just over time though there's like more and more filtering out of uh this is just for essentially like the lower level parts of the stack but also, you know, making applications that are, like, really good products. I think there's some amount of filtering out of the, like, the people that are, like, pretending to engineer but not really building anything and uh, versus, you know, the systems that really can scale to support billions of users and be, you know, the future of, what everyone's going to use and obviously that's just one ingredient there's also you know more serious uh you know people thinking about all the usability and the marketing and all these other parts but just at least yeah what's near and dear to me what i can tell the difference of like where the community the development community has gotten more competent is just sort of you know the core engineering and you know that's why you know there's a, been a shift from things like like ethereum where there was sort of less thought into the engineering obviously by now you know there's so many smart people that have made all that tech a lot better than how it started but it still is limited compared to things like solana and stuff like that but then solana you look at that and it's they make a lot of sacrifices on decentralization and so you know there's like newer generations and there's aptos and things like that where they can process everything in parallel i think just like over time the thing that's cool to me is seeing you know all the sort of underlying systems for these things just get better and better and so that's really just one one piece of the puzzle but that is you know one part i really like
0: yeah well said and um one, one interesting thing that you, you brought up there, uh, Matt, was core engineering, right? So I, I see this. I'm not even an engineer or a developer a little bit in the development world, but uh, nothing like what you guys do, obviously. but the, there is something interesting there. You wouldn't build a skyscraper, right, and have the interior designers lay the foundation,
1: right or yeah.
0: the plumbing. Or, you know, the the, the 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 aquifers that feed water to the building or the electric, um, everyone has what they need to do. And there are people who kind of blend, right? Like to your point, blend in and out of uh, different developer roles. And that's okay. It's totally great. But you do need the hardcore uh, engineers that are going to lay the foundation for big, beautiful buildings. Or big yeah, that's a really good
1: analogy yeah I like products. that
0: um so you you also were talking about the cosmos as a from a developer or an engineer's perspective and having dipped my toes in and out of the cosmos with different either clients or different protocols or whatnot and just my investigation uh and observation over the over the past couple of years especially is um it's a hardy, it's a hardy uh, ecosystem. They've been beaten up, you know, that whole cosmos, that whole ecosystem has been really kind of dinged over the past couple of years uh, with Terra. I mean, everyone hates that, but, you know, that nearly that cratered the cosmos. Right. Um, but yet everything, you know, it was bootstraps, all hands on deck the cosmos and i know there were decision makings i was talking to people when it was happening you know that were talking to um the founders of Terra, uh and i was getting reporting you know live and you know there was real problem solving going on there by the heads of each you know organization within the 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 cosmos so i got to hand it to to you guys um hardy um well built it's it's proving itself and what people have to understand is these things are going to happen obviously the rug pulls are extremely un- unfortunate um and there will be technical glitches there will be hiccups there will this is something that you know we're trying to trying to build the most sturdiest bridge we possibly can but we have to do it fairly quickly one to stay competitive and two to kind of get people get the the ecosystems filled right so um it's challenging um and that that, that whole ecosystem has been definitely dinged um but it's really great to see it like flourishing and, and i you know we keep our here we keep our eyes on it all the time um <clears throat> awesome and the development community is really the heart and soul. The engineering is the heart and soul of it. How many engineering and uh, engineers are you pulling in right now? Cause I, I know, um, I work with web three recruiters. Uh, I've, you know, I often look for, for rust, uh, developers. It's like, where's that unicorn? Um, you know, it, it it's a, it's a, um, it's a small breed. You know, it's a very uh tight organiz- uh you know, group of folks that have a specific skill set. How do you attract them? What is your
1: what is your development environment look like? Well, I have an interesting answer for that because uh just to give some background, like different companies I've worked at over the years in this industry, I've always seen The same issue happen which is you know there's a few founders and they start building something and then you know they raise a bunch of money and then they hire like too many engineers too quickly before they've really learned how to build the right team and before they've learned how to manage these people and like you know get all these people to coordinate to build things the right way it's like if you go from a few people to suddenly have 30 people solving this problem, then you're going to get a solution that, you know, takes 30 people to understand the solution and this system that, you know, has 30 big components talking to each other. I think, uh, you know, some of the best work happens from like very small teams where then they can sort of keep everything really coherent and like there's less issues in the decision making there's less like loss of information and so at turbofish we've stayed small on purpose and now we're getting to the point where we are scaling but we're three engineers right now and uh you know what we've accomplished like we've built this whole stack comparable to the cosmos sdk which has you know that does have like 30 or more major contributors and uh We've built essentially, you know, the same feature set as that, but something that's higher performance and that it's done in much less code, you know, like using resources really efficiently. It's a lot easier for someone to get in there and understand and it's uh, less code is important because it means less bugs and, uh, you know, it's faster to build things with less people and so yeah at turbofish we're just these three people for now and now we've gotten to the point though where we have laid this foundation and we sort of know how we want the shape of all of this to be and like we we're really happy with all the tools we've built and uh yeah now it's getting to the point where for the first time i think uh you know it does make sense to start bringing in new engineers that can just sort of uh follow this foundation that's already laid.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thank you for a little bit of a peek, you know, behind the scenes. It's, it's always good to, for other developers and other people interested in this space to understand how things work. Uh, and you brought up some really good stuff there, Matt, um, you know, size of the development team, a bloated development team means you may have bloated, architecture and documentation
1: and also just like a worse product is how i see it in the end you know it's like worst
0: viable product (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah and uh, i think even in the early days being smart about a smaller and more nimble team allows you to to develop a stronger architecture right foundation for everything to be built on top of right Um, And I think you're absolutely right. Uh, A lot of different uh, applications or protocols will run and start to throw, they get their first round of funding and it's whammo, you know, we've got 50 to a hundred developers, which, uh, you know, that, that might even be too outrageous, but, um, and, and it's really not the the right approach, right? Um, Core foundational uh, architecture and engineering coupled with really tight documentation will allow you to run faster in the future. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, And, you know, we, we do, you know, Matt, we do get a lot of listeners who are like, you know, they're engineers. They want to know what they use our podcast to understand or lift the hood on different projects that they may want to contribute to. Um, so it's good. We'll get, we're getting your word out there. Um, as you expand, that's always good news. Um, it seems like you guys are taking the the right steps, a a very thoughtful approach to developing the product, which is really nice. Um, that's long been gone in web two. (laughs) I'm glad to see it's happening again in web three. Um, you know, uh, so, so yeah, kudos. And, you know, as we wrap up a little bit here, I would say where are you guys going to do? Cause I, I want to learn more about turbo fish and nomic and, and some of your other products. And I know our listeners do too. Um, are you guys going to ha- hold any special events, maybe, uh, X spaces or Twitter spaces, uh, anytime soon or, um, a discord channel that we can kind of tap into.
1: Yeah, we do have a discord, uh, or well nomic the nomic discord i think it's i think there's a url but the easiest way to get there uh would just be nomic.io so it's n o m i c.io is the website and uh then there's also turbofish.org for turbofish which is our dev company and uh yeah i th- i think Nomic has a really cool ecosystem that's just starting to grow because we're really just the founders of Gnomic is how we see it. It's like we've just sort of written these initial uh, implementations of Gnomic, but really we don't have any special authority over it. We're just the early developers and it's really, we're seeing it grow to this decentralized ecosystem and uh, it's just really cool to see. So.
0: Yeah, you, you may have to put a, a DAO in place to uh, manage your your whole thing. So that that's really yeah. cool. Another thing that I'm I'm very interested in is DAOs and democ you know democratizing kind of work environments
1: or oh definitely yeah we're really subsidies. into just the core ideas of DAOs as well. Like that's something like uh, like if you look into the future of like what's going to be really impactful for all the things in Web three being built right now, it's clear that you know DAOs are maybe the biggest part of that because i mean it can it means i feel like that term means so many different things to different people but like as we see real products being made from those ideas uh i don't know DAOs are just really cool so
0: yeah i i completely agree with you matt there's it's it's very intricate the core idea is fairly simple um but it does get kind of intricate intricate and you can use them in so many different ways I just want to see people I, I truly i want to see it used in government right and it's 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 a nice complement to all everything that's being done in web three right now and beyond uh even a i uh it's that governance level and that governance level you the the community help to build those checks and balances and those government governance um scenarios that you want to operate in. Is it complex? Is it layered like the, the military, uh, it, you know, or does it run like a corporate organization or hopefully maybe not, <laughs> you know, it runs completely different. Um, the value of votes, you know, within the community, um, the weight you push, how, how granular you want to vote, uh, details you want to vote on. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. And I think, once organizations like yours and and others, small, medium, and large, really get off and Web three really hits the gas, those things are going to DAOs are absolutely going to be necessary for. I I don't want to say not controlling but wrangling the the community and making smart decisions together um so uh, fascinating maybe you and i when you guys get into that i'd like to have another podcast with you to see how how you're structuring it um because the structure of it I, I was looking into it uh a while ago about a year ago i started playing with different DAOs and platforms um to really understand how to put something together for my organization um And uh, it gets a little, different platforms are easier than others, Um, but you really have to sit down before you even touch a DAO digitally uh, or start to develop a a structure on it. You have to sit down with a pen and paper and just really flow out, like literally wireframe the structure that you want to do and then propose it to people. It gets really, you know, I I chose to just jump in and I'm like, oh, you do this, do you do that? But you really have to take a step back and kind of get your thoughts together collectively uh, to take the right approach. So we'd love to talk to you more about that, for sure. Yeah, Um, yeah, we'd love to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And Matt, Bell, thank you for joining us. Um, Guys, our listeners, uh, you know, we're going to post all of Matt's and Turbofish's information within the podcast or within the comments in the, the uh, podcast and uh, dig in. These guys are exciting. They're doing some. They're bringing BTC uh, directly at, to uh, end users and the cosmos. And that's pretty exciting. So if you're a developer or anyone interested in this kind of shortcut um, to different platforms and ecosystems, check them out. I think this is a really cool project. We're going to track you, Matt, and, and your team. We, we hope to have more conversations uh, about your protocols and your, your technology uh, and beyond.
1: I'm just realizing here a very key thing to talk about that's really exciting of what's happening in Nomic right now is uh, there's a big upgrade planned for uh, like on the 27th is when Yeah, October 27th is when the code is all going to be released. And so it activates on the 30th then. And this is sort of what fully brings Bitcoin to the cosmos. Like everything until now has sort of just been the network building up to this point. But now you'll really, on the 30th, you'll be able to, you know, send Bitcoin into the cosmos. So that's the big thing happening right now.
0: Yeah, good, good. Any other news? you want to bring up or events or anything else?
1: I think that's the main focus. That's what we're cool. all focused on getting out. So
0: good. So, um, I, I personally, I'm excited for the 30th. I want to kind of jump on the, te- is it a test net or is it actual? No, this
1: is the real thing. Yeah. This real is, deal. You know, we've had <laughs> test nets, you know, and, uh, yep. we have our stake net, which is like, we, there were, uh, like Nomic did airdrops and stuff like that, but uh it's just been sort of this network building up to you know the bridge that you'll actually be able to use. So this is the NBTC interchain upgrade, which is what everyone's really been waiting for. And yeah, that's what's coming up on the 30th.
0: Awesome. Well we we all look forward to that and we're gonna, you know, give it a shot. We're gonna kind of jump on and try it. Um, again, you know, let's stay connected and make sure that we have follow-up conversations. Uh, we love kind of digging in, into the, the nitty-gritty and the details of, of um, both developer environments and the technologies behind it and any kind of protocol or application that helps us and not just the development community, all of us do more faster. Uh, on web3 so thank you so much matt bell we will talk soon and um thank you for being a guest here and we'll talk soon
1: yeah thanks so much rich